start. Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? What's going on, B? Doing well, blessed. Uh, obviously, we got a lot to discuss in terms of the way the season closed out and bowl, bowl stuff and the bull crap around that. Uh, but uh, good to be here. Happy holidays to everybody. Um, and, and uh, you know, excited about this portal season. Looks like some things are already cooking starting today. And then, of course, my broskies, the OC. I'm happy to know that uh, my old captain has has uh, earned the right to be the offensive coordinator. I know some people are a little upset about that. We'll discuss that as well. So let's have at it. Yeah, man. So we'll we'll start off with uh, kind of where we ended on the last go. OU season comes to an end. Um, you know, the, the TCU game, again, showed a few warts on this team. But um, as we've seen today with the portal, it is still obvious. And I, w- I want to get your take. It is still obvious that the talent level at almost every position, right? Because we saw portaling at every spot, right? I, I can't even the quarterback position, yeah. right? Did, which should, to me, you know, we got blasted for our take on that all season. But when it came to nut cutting time and Dylan Gabriel had himself a hell of a year, he had himself a hell of a season. I think this, this shows that he still knows his best potential for earning money is likely as still being a scholar athlete. Um, but a lot of players hit the portal. Uh, a few surprises in there. Dalen Smothers maybe was a surprise people didn't see coming. Um, you know, I believe where Andrew Rame, if he hasn't announced it, we're pretty sure it's going to be announced. Um, and a few other guys, Marcus Major, who's been just kind of a, an ongoing topic now for the past two, three years. Uh, but first, OU ends the season. Um, everything done. Alamo Bowl bid to play the University of Arizona. It's going to be December 28th. I believe that is on a Thursday evening. OU finishes number 12 in the final college football playoff rankings, but gets nudged out of the New Year Six because of what seems to be Missouri, um, assuming that final spot reserved for a top 12 playoff team. Uh, DMAC, your take on the, the Sooners end and then the bowl game they're going to be playing. And of course the bowl game they, they missed. Yeah. Listen, you, you win the, you win the last game of the season. Um, you know, it's crazy, right? We win, uh, in a game where we give up, I don't know, a, a bazillion yards to tech, but just that fast, no one cares. Right. And that's the thing, right? We belabor, we bitch and moan, we complain, Oh God, they played terrible. Well, guys, you know, literally, uh, uh, nine days later, everyone's worried about the portal. Everyone's worried about recruiting, who's leaving, who's staying, NFL draft grades. But you know what sticks around is that 10-win season. 
And you can already see lots of um, just lots of exposure on Twitter and social media and different places of people saying Brent Venables has clear vision of what to do after 10 win season. A 10 win season is a big deal. It's something we discussed uh, early on in the in, in, in the fall. And so I'm happy we checked that box. That box is checked. It was a big deal. Um, and we can use that to market, right? We talked about that. 10 wins is a big deal. And and uh, I don't know if you've been paying any attention, but David Stone's been getting after it with the Collins kid out of, uh, out of Duncanville. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can see. There's pride. Our recruits have pride in saying Oklahoma has a reputation of being back to a winning championship caliber program. And, and that's huge. It's a big deal. Right now, with that said, the bowl game deal, uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but we certainly deserved a New Year's Six bowl game. Um, I, I've said it for years. The fact is the SEC is Bama and, and Georgia, and then every few years LSU jumps up, and every few years a Florida may be in there. You know, last year Tennessee was legitimately – a good program with the quarterback and the receivers they had out there, but it's two teams and they all take credit for the conference and Missouri gets an sec bump. They didn't beat anybody this year. Missouri's resume was based upon good losses, which is a joke. Um, um, who was the other one? Oh, miss. Oh my God. They beat nobody, nobody. Their resume is close losses and so when you're thinking about OU, we beat two conference champions. We beat the highest, we're the highest non-college uh, football playoff representative uh, who beat one and we're not. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't lose a KU. I'm not even going to call the OSU loss a loss. The, the blatant uh, pass interference call in that game. Here's how blatant I feel that is, Barry, and maybe I'm petty or, I don't know, sour grapes. To me, that pass interference is so petty. We should have gotten an asterisk by the committee saying, yeah, oh, you probably really won that game. You know how they sometimes will make a concession and say like, oh, it, it didn't happen, but everybody knows it happened. Like that pass Ooh. interference was so blatant. Uh, I just feel like that should have even been considered. It's a loss in the win-loss column. I'm not asking them to change the results, but I am asking them to make a concession over what happened. It was blatant. It was clear. It was an absolute game changer, and it would have resulted with us having the ball on the two-yard line with a couple minutes left with Tawi and or Sachuk easily making that a touchdown and, and probably a game-solidifying score. Um but whatever, right? No big deal. I'm not so mad about the Alamo Bowl. I'm excited about the ability for some of these young guys to step up, show their worth, show improvement. I'm um, looking for Jackson Arnold to get, obviously, the lion's share of the snaps. And so this bowl season, for me, I feel like we checked the box we needed to check. We infused talent, showed winning culture, got to 10 victories, um, and I feel like we put Oklahoma back on the map with the transition to the SEC as a program to be reckoned with. And and I'm cool with that, especially seeing what's already come out about BV having very clear expectations. And some of the guys we are immediately seeing hit the portal 
Um, and, and to the Sooner Nation, I'll say this. I'd say at least 50 percent of those guys aren't going because they are wanting a portal. I'd say they are probably going because they've been told, hey, there's probably not going to be an opportunity here for you moving forward. Hmm. I think that's a fantastic point, man. I was just about to send out a tweet. Um, the the team still has to elevate talent, right? Well, we saw it um, where um, well, where this past season they improved drastically on the defensive side of the ball. All of the metrics show that. All of the metrics say they got a lot better, and a big chunk of that was what getting better on the defensive line, getting better at linebacker getting better um, in the secondary and being consistent, right? And when you don't have the dudes back there um, or when the depth there is not where it needs to be, your program has a pretty stark ceiling on that. Uh, But you brought up Jackson Arnold. As we said at the top of the show, Dylan Gabriel declares for the transfer portal. I'm curious to see if he explores that and then declares for the draft. I I don't know. It doesn't feel like that's the way that's going um, I feel it's more likely he's going to stay in college one more season. Uh, but as we said, your buddy and, and captain, Coach Seth Luttrell, gets the job. Joe John Finley going to be assisting him a lot. Uh, Coach Bill Biedenboe, still a big part. Uh, Seth comes from North Carolina where he was an OC. Before that, I believe he was with Wilson at Indiana, spent some time at Arizona with Coach Stoops, um, and of course had his own program at North Texas. Uh, Latrell, a lot of gap scheme run game, uh, does do some of the inside zone stuff Levy does, but a lot of the stuff they seem to run at North Texas was a lot of gap scheme um, in terms of just what they like to get into kind of going downhill. Um, and, and pass game, don't know if you'll notice quite as many differences. Obviously, he comes from that air raid background, so maybe some of the intermediate throws um, are seen in this bowl game that we're missing this season. Um, You know, see Kansas and Oklahoma State as reference there uh, for where OU probably left some meat on the bone. Uh, Some of the stuff you guys ran where you were in Norman with Leach. Uh, Talk about, Seth, what your expectations are and how you feel this decision. I I think what I want to get at is a lot of Sooner fans wanted a hot name, right? A lot of Sooner fans negated the idea that Luttrell – could be the guy. How much do you think this decision for Latrell to be the OC, especially with how quick it happened, was relatively assumed by Venables, which is why he brought him on staff to begin with? I'm curious what your thoughts are in him knowing the writing was probably on the wall for Levy to leave, if not this year, at least for sure next year. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I, well... A couple of things, right, come to mind initially, and and number one is, uh, I it always felt to me like Levy was doing a favor for his old college, but way more uh, concerned with with uh, growing his professional career. Which, by the way, he should, right? He's in a he's in a profession where you really want to climb that 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 laddering and get to the arc, right? Get to the pinnacle of success, and. Let's be honest. He was at OU for you know three or four years, but he's been a coach multiple years now in Florida and in, in Mississippi and in other locations. So like you know his his allegiance, I think he will always have a a, a a space of love for OU. But I also think that he just felt like a guy who wasn't as much as a program guy as like 
um, a hype was, which is why he's had beefs with OU since, which by the way, I, you know, how that whole thing ended and, and maybe a DeMarco guy or, or even Joe John, right? Joe John decides to stay, right? He's a guy who says, Hey, I want to stay home. Levy always struck me as a guy who says, Hey, this is a great opportunity for me. It is a enhancement to my career, right? I can be the profound play caller. People forget that at Ole Miss, he was the OC, but he was the OC for an offensive minded coach who has been known for calling plays for himself. He went to OU with a defensive minded coach who he would get the credit for any type of production the offense would uh, create. And of course, with DG having the year he had this year, there isn't a better opportunity for Levy to say, hey, look at the product I've put on the field. Look, look at the ascension we've had in two years. Um, So kudos to him. Kudos to him. But his but at the end of the day, his offense lacks depth. Um, His offense lacks uh, the ability to pivot. And the depth part is is a problem for me because I feel like you've got like three tricks to your pony and three good tricks. It's not like the offense was just Mickey Mouse, but it's like a three trick uh, pony and it didn't really have the ability to pivot versus um, the trails experience. Seth was Seth was with, I would say, the best OC OU had. The best OC, what I would say was Wilson. I think the the Sammy Bradford years and and, and, and the J Dub years, when Wilson came in 01, I'll never forget my last season. Really, Wilson came for the 2000 bowl game. Uh is when he was starting to, you know, we started to see him around when we I were I didn't in, know that. That's interesting. Oh, Wilson was there. He wasn't officially on the staff, but Wilson was in town with us in 2000 in Miami. And that offense just morphed and it continued to nuance and it continued to, you know, like it would have flexibility to the talent, right? The JW years when he was an O-line coach and helping in, in some specialty aspects, right? That run game was physical. The AD years, that's a physical run game. And then you get a Sammy Bradford right after J-Dub leaves and, and you've got a kid who can swing it, right? All of a sudden, there's all types of opportunities for the tight end and the receivers. And, and we ran a ton of different styles of screens. Seth was there with him when they ran that. And of course, he was in a UNC with another offensive guru. Seth has a mind for offense. And for those trying to say, oh, he didn't do well at, at UNT, yeah, he, he he only had some of the best years the last 30 years at that program as the head coach. I think he had two years where he had over seven wins and bowl games. And that's not exactly a program where you go to play and win championships. It's just not. Mm, yeah. No excuses for him. It's just him relative to his peers in that same role. You go look and, and he wasn't anybody markedly worse. I would say he's probably one or one A in terms of, court, of, of uh, coaches there the last 25 years. But here's the deal. We're not asking him to come to coach the team. We're asking him to come to run our offense. And the best of what Levy had to offer stays with uh, stays with Joe John, right? DeMarco's been in it for two years. Obviously, Beatenbo knows it. And Beatenbo and, and, and Seth have a ton of history, both in Norman now and also in Arizona. So it creates a, a culture of consistency. That is required because of, to me, the biggest thing, it's because of uh, continuity with recruiting. 
Agreed. It's not an accident that a lot of the kids, oh no, we're going to lose the kid, the, 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 the tight end. Nope, he's staying. The running back, Tatum. Nope, he's staying. Jackson Arnold, Sperry, and Michael Hawkins. Nope, they're all staying, right? That is attributed to um, the continuity. And for those individuals saying, oh, well, we could have gotten XYZ guy or, you know, like, what people don't understand is you bring in a new offense. Now Jackson Arnold's behind the eight ball our first year in the SEC. He doesn't yep. know the offense as well as the offense that one he had in high school. Two, he's practiced since last spring, right? He came in and was a mid-semester guy. And three, terminology, language, grouping, uh, language, grouping blocking, blocking schemes, and a ton of the stuff he's going to be using in bowl prep. It's already things that he's not going to have to really rehearse. He'll just have to rep, right? And so that's a big deal for us going into the SEC. So I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a, I, I wouldn't call it a home run, but I, I don't think we needed a home run. What I think we needed was a solid hire with somebody with experience. We want as many Sooners in the building as possible. People call it nepotism. Uh, our slogan can't be there's only one and we invented championships and we invented all Americans and you, and you don't want nepotism. I think I want nepotism in an environment where we've got a ton of championships, a ton of all Americans, right? And a ton of guys who bleed crimson and cream mm-hmm. with all due respect, if they come with the requisite uh, requirements, credentials and pedigree, which I think Seth checks all those boxes. So I'm excited about uh, what Seth has in store. I think uh, Joe John's an interesting hire. You know, I, I don't really understand the behind the scenes. Um, uh, um, I don't understand the the why behind how some guys get certain roles. Uh, Joe John comes in and kind of steps in front of DeMarco, kind of steps in front of, em- in front of Emmett. Maybe those guys have different aspirations. But uh, if they like it, I love it. And... Uh, I, f- I feel good about it. I feel good about us having a really good plan for the bowl game, giving Jackson Arnold the keys to a Ferrari um, and uh, keeping the rest of these recruits that have been some of the best uh, caliber of talent we've recruited in years and in decades uh, in tow and excited about being Sooners and excited about uh, transitioning to the SEC. Yeah, I think that's a great point you bring up about the continuity. Um, I, I was singing that all along when folks were, you know, wanting this name and that name. Like, if you want, uh, folks are worried about an eight and four first year of the SEC. If you went out and got a brand new OC, right? Just think of the growing pains you saw in the Big 12 first year with Levy versus this season. Right. Just think of the product in 22 and the amount of times the offense struggled with this year. Right. Be as critical as you want on DG. Oh, you moved the offense at a at sometimes a historic clip, but they definitely were were far better than than even above average. They exceeded expectations in, in many ways, um, maybe outside the run game. But if you really wanted to ensure an eight and four, have Jackson and the rest of the team learn a brand new offense and not know who your personnel is going to be come bowl game, right? Because you'll get guys portaling out. You're, you, now you're 
you're basically guaranteeing a start over on that side of the ball. And that just wasn't worth it, right? If Latrell doesn't pan out, you know, at least you gave Jackson a really strong runway to start from. You ensured that you keep guys like Devon Mitchell in the fold, right? You, you, you keep some of the receivers that they've got, your Kearneys, your Reagans. You know, they're not thinking of looking elsewhere. Man, that, that's, that's huge. Um, and I, I think that is a, a big piece to whether or not they succeed next year. You know, you watch Latrell, I think a few things are going to be certain. Um, he's going to have, just from experience, a better handle on game management, right? You, you can't help but be better at that based on how long you've done it. The longer you've done something, typically you get better at it, regardless of what it is. So there's a lot less learning on the job, so to speak. Um, want to move on to the portal, man. I, I, I want to ask just your thoughts on the players who have portaled out, what your overall take uh, um, on DG portaling out was, and and what, you know, me and Chris talked about it on the show today. OU's portal expectations aren't the same as a year ago. You know, last year they needed bodies. They needed a Trace Ford, a Bothroyd, right? This year they've got bodies, quote unquote. Now they need dudes. They need players who can show up and not just make an impact, but if you're going to get a portal player, they need to be able to make a major impact and be the level of player that can win their matchup in the SEC. So initial thoughts on some of the players who've portaled out. Uh, I'm going to check and see if there's any new names here in the past couple hours. Uh, kind of get caught up on that. Well, what was that? it? Savion Bird portaling out. Savion Bird. Yeah, I saw, saw that one earlier. Bird and Smothers, a little bit surprising. But just your thoughts on the current guys, DMAC. Maybe what that means um, uh, on a little bit deeper level. And then, you know, the, the kind of guys that are out there to make an impact. Um, and, and what are OU's chances with now waving that flag of the SEC and being able to say, you know, next year you're not playing Iowa State and Kansas on ESPN+. Plus. Next year you got home games against Alabama going to LSU, you're playing Ole Miss, you're playing Tennessee. How much do you think that factors in immediately in terms of getting guys in the transfer portal? Well, perception is absolutely reality. And so, I mean, all of the all of the issues we have in terms of SEC bump and bias and right and, and it, you know, the conference of whatever the hell they call themselves, um, that will be included in that. And that's just a part of it. So I don't even know if I'm excited about it. It just is what it is and it is what it is. So I, I'm going to, when we're in that wave, I'm going to see what it means for us. Uh, but for recruits, for NFL perception, you know, all of those numbers with that the SEC as a brand and conference can sell, we will now be able to sell. And you better believe if, if Texas A&M can come over there from the Big 12 and literally be the definition of mediocre, you know, like, you know how where you know how in, in uh, shirt sizes, they have like an extra small and then they have like an extra large, right? Extra small is for a really small person and extra large is for, you know, 225 pounder. Like A&M is the definition of extra medium. You know what I'm saying? Like they are super mediocre. They're not just mediocre. They're super mediocre. But that SEC brand elevated their recruiting and everything else to a standard they've just never had in the, in the Big 12. So I expect that to come. Uh, portal. First thing I want to do is address Dylan. And um, 
people know how bullish we were on him in the fall in terms of saying he was not good enough. And then I think I was pretty transparent in saying how impressed I was with how he carried this season and gave him his kudos and props for how he elevated our play this season, elevated his play this season and was a linchpin. He was absolutely quarterbacking, you know, uh, uh, as an alpha getting things done and not necessarily, you know, sitting on the sidelines and kind of just riding the wave. He was absolutely captaining the ship, but it's still a but. Dylan Gabriel knows who he is and Oklahoma knows who he's not. You just can't you just can't reconcile someone at his position with that much seniority, that much experience, the winning record he had as as a as a upperclassman, I guess, you know, super senior really this year. And everybody is okay wishing him well to go on to greener pastures next year. It says everything you need to know about that situation without saying anything. He's a B minus guy. And I think he got close to his ceiling. I'll tell you what he did is he earned himself some money. The rumors are seven figures, like starting quarterbacks with his type of uh, with his type of uh, pedigree now are, are getting seven figure deals. So he'd be dumb to go to the NFL because he's probably a fifth or sixth round guy and not going to get much over and beyond that. Whereas he can stay another year in college, go to an Oregon, Ohio State, potentially, a, a, you know, a USC, one of these programs that can pay him you know, one, two million bucks in, in NIL and get another year of being a, a, a co-ed student athlete. So salute to him. But OU's not winning a national championship with Dylan Gabriel unless we've got a great O-line, a championship caliber O-line, a championship caliber crew of, of, of uh, skill guys and a dominating defense. He's just not there, right? You see at a place like Ohio State, with quarterbacks who are just decent, they can't get it done. You've got to have a QB, and I think it goes on to prove our point or something that I've said forever is it's a quarterback-driven game, right? FSU is not in the playoffs because of their quarterback. Like the, the 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 committee literally said it, and so for us to have Jackson with the higher ceiling, more athletic, bigger, stronger, more talented kid, I think it, again just justifies in a very classy way uh what we've been pointing towards all along i mean there's just i don't i don't even like everyone who had an issue with our take my I, let me just speak for me i don't want to speak for you everyone who had an issue with my take um to me i think today validates what i continue to say and i think the way it was handled by coach and by dylan and by the program was perfect but like you don't take a red shirt freshman and i don't know if jackson uh, played enough to redshirt or not. He might be a sophomore. It doesn't matter, right? He's not going to stay five years. But you don't say, hey, we're going to walk away from our five-year QB who is probably a top five quarterback in the nation if you don't have something better in the cupboard with the higher ceiling. And so for Dylan, uh, go get paid again. Um, for Sooner Nation, though, can we not just do like the Gen Z version of life and water down our brand? Dylan Gabriel is a phenomenal quarterback. I liken him to like a Landry Jones or, you know, Paul Thompson, um, um, you know, kind of a kind of a deal. Nate Hibble got us a big 12 championship. But let's be let's be real. 
He didn't win us any conference championships, zero. He didn't take us to any huge bowl games, zero. He's not a Heisman quarterback, right? He definitely had a ma- he had a sooner magic moment, but like he's not a goat. He's not an all time great. He's not a sooner legend. He's not. And again, maybe this sounds mean, but like we've got to be honest about what the OU brand is. Just because you won 10 games and were an awesome guy, he's an awesome guy. And I think he's I think he's a great representative of the university and the program. Dylan Gabriel is not a legend. He's not. And, uh, you know, I hear all these people saying because social media, right, creates a platform for everyone to say how they feel. And I'll probably get some flack for this. And I don't care because I'm not watering down our brand. Thank you, Dylan. Definitely gave you your props when you leveled up. Uh, I, I appreciate your part in, in creating victories and wins for us. But I also understand why you chose to portal. You want to play ball another year and make some money and, and potentially after that, go on and coach and or go to the NFL or one of these other leagues. Um, but nah, bro, I, I, I'm not giving him sooner legend. You know, he doesn't need a statue and in, 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 uh you know what I'm saying? He doesn't need a statue in Heisman Park. He's not in the conversation with he's not even in the conversation with Jalen. He's not. Um, no. but, but damn, he played well. And I appreciate that. And I think the portal is, like I said, it's going to get him another payday. So, you know, the, uh, it's, it's kind of convoluted. I get it. But like, you know, it's the game we're playing right now. I do have a lot of issues with the way in uh, college is, is being treated and you know, every season's a free agency. I think they said there were over a thousand portal entries today, which insane, broke the man. record, which broke the record of last year of seven seventy five, which broke the record of like six twenty five the year before. The year before, which broke the record of like five hundred the first year. So, like, it's absolutely going apeshit bananas. Um, the crazy part is the talent pool. Like, there's some top shelf talent. That's either officially portaled or like on the cusp of Texas a and I'm looking at you and a bunch of your D linemen that are going to be uh, rumored to be heading this way and or other places. Um, and, I, you know, I, I I for a person like Dylan, to me, what he meant to OU and then to just leave. Hey, guys, I'm not even sticking around for the bowl game. That to me, that's like alien nature for my era. That would be like hype. Being like, yo, D-Mac, love you guys, bro, but uh, I'm probably not an NFL dude and Florida wants to pay me two mil, I'm out. Like, mm. like he, like he, back then, that would have been like, right? Astronomically, like would have kicked his ass. Like he would have had a fight on his hands. Today, it's not even, it's not even an issue. I don't know if you saw, but Jackson Arnold literally retweeted it with heart hands. He literally retweeted it with hard hands. So, That's you know, it's the, it's the game we play. I totally respect it. I have zero ill will. Um, I think he did what's best for him. I think OU's doing what's best for them. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out in the fall. That's how I feel about Dylan. The rest of the guys, I don't think there's one guy who's portaled so far that is a um, game-changing loss for us. Bird is one that, you know, I wish he he's the kind of guy you want to keep around as he gets older and matures. I think his decisions, 
his decisions change. And, and I think he's a guy in his third and fourth and fifth season, if he chooses to stay that long, could be a, a hoss. But he's also a guy who's just had too many mental errors. It's just been too many. Um, and obviously, he's got some personal decisions that he's consistently made that are going to be a detriment to him until he can clean that up. Not going to get into the kid's personal life, but I get it. Smothers is a guy who I think have potential, but 5'11", 185 running backs with some wiggle, some zig and zag, or a dime a dozen. And so with all due respect to him, I don't know that he's Percy Harvin and or Reggie Bush. You know what I mean? So uh, again, an available scholarship for a kid with potential who may or may not be a big time caliber player, but he, you know, he could go someplace else. I could see him going someplace and getting 11, 1200 yards because he's a talented kid. Um, but we're in decent shape. So I like we're trimming the fat guys like Anderson, Nate Anderson, all respect to you. Key Lawrence, as much as I had love for you, bro. I mean, man, he, he probably cost us minimally at least one. I mean, both games we lost, he had bone headed plays that were game changing, uh, situations and then and then the rest of the crew Llewellyn right kid couldn't stay healthily healthy uh we'll probably see a couple more guys portal out the the kid who came in from AM is a prospect to portal out uh here's here's where I'll say Barry we need to win in the portal so let's just go by position groups receiver we're in good shape yeah we probably I told you before if we get a stud if if it's you know the kid the Fleming kid from from Ohio State if he wants to be a sooner to me, you don't pass that up because he's a he's a five star recruit and and he's been he's been in the game for years. He's a four four guy, six one six two. He's a guy that you you never want to just you know uh, eliminate that type of depth. Yeah, Running you make back, that work. Yeah, you make that. Yeah, work. yeah, yeah. You make a Fleming work. Running back, we probably need at least one with Tawi leaving and Majors leaving and and Smothers leaving. That's half the room essentially. We got Tatum coming in. There's probably a back we need. I would say a bruiser um, and or just a super dynamic top shelf guy. But running back, we're in good shape with the number one running back coming in. And we got the bruiser coming in from uh, Cal Albert. Right. Let's see how that kid does. Um, but running back's in good shape. Quarterback, we're in good shape. Who knows if they might feel like they need a secondary backup, you know, the uh, uh, deer in the headlights scares me as our backup now you know what i'm saying his one snap he tore his acl off or something like that so uh the bevel kid we probably need a qb um obviously hawkins and the other kid are coming in in the fall tight end we definitely depth tight end is a position of need the portal i'd say we probably need one or two tight ends tight end is a position where you can find good inline tight ends you can find a kind of overly sized receivers and and put them in as tweeners. But the biggest position of need we are going to have 100% unequivocally is the defensive line. We graduate a ton of dudes um, and a couple of others are probably not coming back for one reason or the other. And we've got to get dudes on the portal. The, the Hicks kid from A&M, we got to hope he hits the portal and come. The McClellan kid who's from Oklahoma, we got he's already in the portal. We need to figure out a way to get him into town. We probably need at least one or two more. We need dudes. 
right? It would be great if Terry stuck around. I don't think he's going to, but having Terry would be awesome. He's a guy who we can win with and he can provide a veteran presence that this young core group of guys is really going to need. With Halton coming back and Strong coming back and 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 uh, uh, Gilliam, who's a guy who was, man, very highly uh, recruited and talented in high school. Like we don't have one solidified guy who played winning football last season coming back. Assuming Lacey and, and Terry come back, those two guys would probably be the most veteran guys. So looking forward to seeing how we address the defensive line and looking forward to seeing how we address the offensive line. We've got a little more quality depth there, Barry. Yeah. Uh, thank God we hit on some freshmen, right? Sexton came in and gave us some 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 really good things. He did some some things that were <laughs> he got beat up a few times and you know got his butt kicked. But I feel like he got some quality reps. He'll get much better during bowl prep. Green came in and is going to be the potential to be an All American NFL type dude. Everett's a guy who's again been back and forth with Rame. It looks to me like Rame is going to the league. He's at some type of pro. He 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 tweeted some pro thing he's at in Cali or Arizona or something, which I guess is assuming he's prepping for, you know, uh, senior stuff, senior bowl and or uh, draft stuff. But O-line, D-line. D-line by far and away. Be interesting to see backer. I think they're doing exit interviews on the linebacker position tonight and tomorrow. So we'll see which of the backers are asked to return. And if some of those guys, there's probably not going to be a fit for them. The thing about backer and safety, though, especially with a defensive minded coach is coaches, especially defensive minded coach, sell special teams. Right. Running back, backer, um, safety type positions. You can sell guys on sticking around and, hey, you'll have a chance to be on pun and pummy turn and kick off and and diff this and that, and guys will stick around. So we'll see how that shakes out. But there's three or four backers who probably sh should be looking for greener pastures. Uh, and uh, we'll see how that shakes out as well. But the portal for us, you're right. Uh, we got some depth we got to get up front in the trenches, especially transitioning to the SEC. But we're not in a, de a a position where we're so devoid of talent in multiple areas and we're looking for a quarterback who can just throw the ball, things like that. We're in a position where we can be picky. We're in a position, depending on budget, we can say, hey, these are the two or three or four guys we really want to hone in on and, and, you know, create opportunities for them and their families to see a ton of value. Um, and thank God we've recruited well. We've got a lot of young guys who are seeming to be program guys at safety, at backer, um, at cornerback on defense that are all going to be sticking around and, and a year older and wiser and bigger and stronger uh, next football season. Yeah, man. I mean, defensive line for this team is, has got to be priority numero uno. You look across the board at every team in the college football playoff, right? What did Texas need to do? Like, I, I'd hate to – give Texas any kind of props right here, but you got to in terms of they got good on the defensive line, man, and it it made an impact, right? OU still goes down there and, and beats that ass, but the improvements across the line of scrimmage were not lost during the season. It impacted games where because of the ability to just whip their man, they went in and played a Texas Tech and it wasn't close. 
they played in Oklahoma State and handled them at the line of scrimmage, right? You can see how how much of a difference it makes. And I don't give them a whole lot of credit. I just think Sarkeesian is a year ahead of Venables. And I think that's what it boils down to. Sark is in year three, I believe. Venables is in year two. And Venables, I would argue, had a had probably a worse situation, not even probably, he had a worse situation defensively, maybe not offensively fully, but definitely defensively a worse situation than what uh, um, Sarkeesian walked into at Texas. Texas still had a few dudes that, that were draftable. OU had a backup defensive end at Houston playing middle linebacker. So should tell you everything you need to know. Um Folks, today was going to be short and sweet. Um, I, I, if you did not listen earlier today, I do want to give a quick little plug. If you didn't listen earlier today, go listen to the recording I did with Chris Mason. It was awesome stuff over on X, um, just Sooners 360 space. We went down the, the portal line, uh, kind of similar to stuff that DMAC brought up and really went in-depth, Chris did, as to who is available Right, if you want to be the most educated Sooner fan, really know your stuff, go give a listen to that. Uh, it'll give you some good insight. Tight end is an interesting position of need uh, that OU is certainly going to need to address, even with Mitchell coming in. Um, I actually think cornerback, depending on Woody Washington's decision, at least to shore up depth, wouldn't be surprised if they go snag a guy there. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I, I think this offseason is going to be – last year we said it was the most important offseason for Venables, and I do think it was. This year is where the team either takes that next step to become a legitimate contender or they stay par for the course. And in order for them to take that next step, there are some names out there that they need to get, right? There's probably going to be a few that, man, eh, that guy's a jag or, or whatever – but they need to go out and get some certain key players. Everybody knows the names. They need to go out there and get not one of those guys, but multiple of those guys. And this year, this coming season, DMAC, uh, and this is kind of what I want to end it with, I think this coming year is the first season where we get to see some recruits who were stocked back in the cupboard, who maybe were fringe three, four-star guys. Maybe they were just a solid four-star, but no playing time. This first season in the SEC, I think this is going to be the first first year, right? And it's not a stretch. Venable's only been there for a couple. But I think you're going to see what the development game Venable's talks about looks like. Right, You now have guys who have been redshirted for a full season. He had the ability to do that at linebacker where he didn't get to do that with Kanick a year ago. What does that make the team look at? Um, kind of parting words to Sooner Nation today, um, especially hope for just the guys that are on the roster right now. And maybe speak to that as we get out of here. Yeah, I think that uh, the job is to be continued. Um, it's incomplete at this point, but the trajectory is is headed down the right road. Um, listen, I think we have the ability to go into the SEC next season and expect to, to play for the championship. Like I 100% believe all these 
silly people who are saying, oh, you know, it's funny. Like they say, oh, Missouri is on the schedule. Like, dude, Missouri sucked ass until this season, right? The SEC is not so great that in one year you go from, you know, a Reggie team, a mid team to like your ass kicker. They got to play us. Yeah, we got to play them. But guess what? They got to play us. Right. Same goes for Ole Miss and the rest of the guys, you know, LSU. LSU's got a lot of stuff going on. Brian Kelly does not fit the culture. They are not the same team they have been in terms of grit, grime, and just junkyard dogs. Uh, but we got to go to Death Valley and play them. But but the other thing I want to say, and I think it's funny, you know, I heard a lot of people who <laughs> had issues with what I had to say about um are, are a couple of coaches that I feel like need to be also portaled. And uh, I, again, I just think it's interesting to see what the top programs are doing in terms of bringing in very relevant, dynamic recruiters who have a track record of being great developers. And I mean, let's just flat out call a spade a spade, man. We've got a defensive end coach who there's, there's, he doesn't have one example of a guy who's a dude because of him. You can't even call Downs a dude because of him. Downs came and was coached up by those other guys first. And Downs is the hardest working kid you'll ever see. The kid makes most of his plays because he works his ass off. He's not a tactician. He's not a technician. He's not beating people with a, a bevy of, of different moves. The kid works his tail off. The goal where we're going and do some of the things we need to do, we, we got to We got to continue to upgrade coaches as best as we can. I feel like the Levy Seth uh, exchange is one that we can leverage because I think Joe John knows a lot of what Levy knows and Seth brings a lot of what he doesn't. So that to me, that's a net positive. Defense aside, right? We gonna have coaches who, hey man, this is your third year with a lot of your dudes and guys you've recruited. Let's see what the development looks like. Let's see what the culture looks like and let's see what the results look like, right? You ain't got to shoot the messenger, um, but I tell you what, I, I am not here to kill folk with kindness. I'm here to tell the truth. And there's no discounting what areas have gotten dramatically better, wide receiver, cornerback, and what position groups it felt like should have had with the dudes they had. They should have had more production. Just didn't happen yet. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think the team's in good spirits. You know a team's in good spirits when a lot of the guys who – uh, were some of the key cogs are not looking for someplace else to go, right? The coach can come out and say with uh, definite, uh, uh, you know, authority that, you know, a lot of the guys, the vision is clear and they're all on board. Makes me feel good about the direction of the program. Like you said, this is year three for BV. I, I, he had the ascension we needed in year two. The only expectation we should have in year three is playing for a conference championship in the SEC. And everybody knows, kind of like when I was in the Big 12, if you're playing for a conference championship in the Big 12 my years, you're essentially in the conversation for a national championship. Same thing applies to the SEC. If you're playing for a conference championship in the SEC, especially with the playoffs going to 12, uh, you can bet we're going to be in that tournament and have a fair opportunity to win a natty. So, I feel good about where we're at. I feel good about the guys we're keeping. I have not heard of one guy who's going to seriously give me a bellyache in terms of guys portaling, including Dylan Gabriel. Um, but I wish all those guys the best. I'm grateful for what he did to us 
for us this season. And uh, I, I think uh, 2020, I think the bowl season first is going to be fun to see Jackson sling it around for, for the majority of the game. And then I think 2024 is going to be a fun season to be a Sooner. Absolutely awesome stuff. And man, the podcast is going to be an SEC pod at that point, DMAC. Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun ride, uh, Sooner Nation. It's been a fun ride throughout the Big 12. But uh, I think going into this bowl season, man, you can call OU a, a, an SEC team. They're going to be about as close to what they'll be in the SEC as they're going to get, uh, save a few guys showing up on campus uh, this uh, spring and summer. Uh, but we're going to keep bringing you all the content. Uh, no telling where this thing goes. Uh, appreciate everybody for bearing with us throughout this year. With golly, man, I start a new business. DMAC moves to Dallas. A lot going on, but we still fought hard tooth and nail to bring you guys um, what you want. And, and we can't thank you enough for the support. And speaking of support, go to the Barry and Mac Show Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. Find me at BYS Fitness at letter B W I S E Fitness and find DMAC at D underscore Mac 13 over there on Twitter slash X. And of course, the Instagram at the Barry and Mac show. Very, very simple. Uh, and go check out Sooners360.com for all your news, recruiting updates, transfer portal, and the nine we're posting over there. Want to thank you all so much for tuning in today, and we will see you soon. Booyah, brother. Great job. <laughs>